This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Independent commentary from a California perspective with new voices for a global audience, featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 16, Episode 5, Making Sense of Today's Economy. Inflation, Rising Interest Rates, Unemployment, and Recession. Talking with Alex Domash, Research Fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School, Mossamar Rahmani Center for Business and Government. Economic news and the state of the U.S. economy is top of mind for most Americans today. Inflation, rising gas prices, increasing interest rates are all a cause for concern. Is this a new normal or just a temporary phase as the economy transitions away from the COVID pandemic? And how is economic uncertainty affecting how we live and work? With us today to explain it is Alex Domash, Research Fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School. Hi, Alex, and welcome to the show. Hey, Jim. It's great to be with you today. Alex, please take a few moments to tell us about yourself and your research at the Harvard Kennedy School. Sure. So I actually started my career as a development economist and worked for a few years in East Africa, uh, first in Kenya on uh, issues related to extreme poverty in the north of Kenya and the very arid parts of the country, and later in Uganda working with... uh, So after that experience, I went to the Harvard Kennedy School uh, to get my graduate degree. And while I was there, I started working with former Treasury Secretary uh, Professor Larry Summers on my thesis, which was related actually to the decline in worker power in the United States. Since then, uh, I graduated in December of last year. Uh, and over the course of the past year or so, I've been doing research at the at the Kennedy or I've been doing research with Professor Larry Summers. Um, primarily related to uh, what is happening in the labor markets today, uh, as well as with inflation, and have recently published a series of of economic papers um, commenting on on these issues. I also currently am a fellow at the Center for Global Development, which is in Washington, D.C., which is a think tank that focuses primarily on uh, issues of global education, global health, immigration and U.S. foreign aid. So my focus here is actually on on U.S. aid and how aid can be used more effectively. Well, that's a very impressive background, Alex. Now, let's begin with inflation. The July CPI numbers came out today, and it shows inflation for the month of July running at an annual rate of 8.5%. Now, that's down from 9% in June, so it's a modest decline. Uh, It's an improvement, of course. But still, at 8.5% on an annualized basis, it's too high. By the same token, today, the stock market seemed to like that 8.5 number. And the Dow was up 500 points, the S&P was up 80 points, and the tech-heavy NASDAQ was up 300 points. Is this the beginning of a soft landing, which the Fed is trying to engineer? And what about core inflation? So I think there are there are several things I would like to comment on based off of today's print. The first is uh, is a little bit of a clarification on how how the media in particular 
covers inflation. I think there's a lot of confusion when all of these numbers get thrown out, what it actually means. So I want to spend a second uh, just clarifying exactly what the numbers said today. So typically the media will will convey what is the headline year-over-year inflation. And so headline year-over-year inflation decreased from 9.1% last month to 8.5% this month. Uh What is that actually saying? It's saying that the annual change in inflation went down. So basically going back to one year from July of 2021 to July of 2022, we saw less inflation than from June of 2021 to June of 2022. Okay. And so it's a little bit of a confusing and counterintuitive even way of thinking about where what, what happened to inflation. I prefer to actually look at monthly inflation or what's been happening to inflation over the last few months. And what we saw in the, uh, the inflation or the CPI print that came out today was that month over month inflation was actually 0%. So what that means is between June and July of this year, we saw no change in inflation, uh, no change in in prices. Uh, It doesn't mean that prices went down necessarily. It just means that the rate of increase, uh, it didn't increase at all. And so that is a good sign. If you saw that for 12 months in a row, you would see annual inflation of 0%, which means that prices wouldn't change at all. While I am a little bit more pessimistic, though, than the markets and and perhaps than the Fed as well, is when you actually look at why the headline inflation rate or why headline inflation saw no increases over the past month. And to understand that, you need to look at what's called core inflation. Um, And core inflation basically strips out the really volatile parts of inflation. It strips out gas prices. It strips out food and commodity prices. um, And it just looks at inflation and the rest of the economy. Uh, Core inflation over the last month, so core inflation over the last year uh, is about 6%. Mm -hmm. So from July of last year to July of this year, we've seen a 6% increase in core core prices, 6% core inflation. Uh, Over the last month, we did see that slow down considerably. Uh, The month-over-month core inflation was 3.8%, I believe, at Mm. an annualized rate. And so what that means is basically, if we saw this print for 12 months in a row, core inflation year-over-year would be Mm 3.8%. Now, that's an improvement, and that's lower than the 6% core inflation that we're currently seeing year-over-year. But the problem for the Fed is even 3.8% core inflation is actually still too high. It's actually still above their 2% inflation target. So there's a few, yeah, to to kind of conclude on on my, my broad thoughts. The first thing I would say is it's just one month, and we don't want to overgeneralize about one month. I think it takes a couple of months of declining CPI prints to really make generalizations about the direction of inflation. And number two is I wanted to clarify sort of the difference between annual and monthly inflation. And and the fact that we did see a decline this month in core inflation is a positive sign, but I'm a little bit hesitant and pessimistic whether that will actually continue over the next couple of months. I still see core inflation being closer to five or six percent, and I wouldn't be surprised if over the next month we saw core inflation increase at about that rate. Really? Well, let's come back to the employment numbers. Now, last Friday, 
the employment, new employment for the past month was up by 585,000 new jobs, which surprised the market. And the market seemed to like that number. Talk to me about employment numbers, because on the one hand, we've got, we, we have this higher rate of inflation, but by the same token, the economy seems to be chugging along. And at least for the month of June was creating jobs at a 585,000 clip in just one month. Yeah, the the data that we're seeing from the labor market is very interesting, and it's actually showing that the labor market is still really hot and is is going on quite strongly. We saw more than a half a million jobs were added from Friday's jobs report. We saw the unemployment rate tick down even further to 3.5%, which is among the lowest it's been over the past 50 years. And we saw wages are still increasing at a pretty fast rate. And so when I'm looking at the labor market data, I'm seeing it discussed both as a good thing and as a bad thing. And mm-hmm. let me explain both of those. It's a good thing because a strong labor market is obviously very good for many, many Americans. Adding a half a million jobs in a month is a lot of jobs, and it has a mm-hmm. significant effect on many people's lives and, and, and the lives of their families. And so that is definitely a good thing that we have such a strong labor market. And it definitely means that we're not currently in a recession. It means that the economy is still chugging along okay. We're still adding jobs, and that's a good thing. The problem is, and why some um, some people are looking at, at the jobs report with a little bit of unease, perhaps the Fed is looking at, at it with a little bit of unease as well, is when you look at that wage growth number. So nominal wages for workers, on average, have been increasing by about 55 or 6% over the past year. And what that means is wages is another, it's another way to think about core inflation in, in the economy. So typically wages and core inflation are, are pretty tightly correlated. Historically, if you look at the difference between price inflation and how fast wages are growing, there's usually about a one percentage point difference between the two. So if you have wages growing at about 6%, that kind of signals to the Fed that the underlying sort of core inflationary rates in the economy is somewhere maybe around five or five and a half percent. So again, wage growth, nominal wage growth can can oftentimes be considered a good thing. Obviously, that means workers are getting paid more. Mm-hmm. But for the Fed, this means that one, it means that the bringing inflation back down to 2% will be a little bit more difficult. And two, it also, if you take into account uh, inflation adjusted wages, wages still aren't growing as fast as prices. And so real wages are still declining. So adjusting for the increase in price levels, basically workers are still worse off than they were one year ago. So there, there are several concerning things there. One more thing to add about the jobs report. A lot of economists typically say that employment numbers, jobs numbers, they're a lagging indicator. And so basically, even if the economy is already sort of in a downturn, it's kind of normal that we see job growth continue a little bit after that. And then a couple of months later, start to to show signs of decline. As I'm looking at all of the different indicators in the economy, uh, I am seeing a contraction in real GDP. I'm seeing consumption growth that is slowing. I'm seeing investment by businesses, which is which is starting to slow down significantly as well. And I'm also seeing an uptick uh, actually in uh, unemployment insurance claims. Mm. Uh, so all of this sort of signals to me that 
yes, the jobs number was really strong, but I'm a little bit concerned that in the coming months, uh, we're going to see a slowdown in the jobs number as well, and perhaps a tick up in the unemployment rate. So in other words, that job number of 500,000 plus new jobs in June, perhaps that's the swan song that may be looked back upon as the as the peak as we look forward to a trending down in new jobs over the next few months is what you're saying. Exactly what I'm saying. I I would be pretty confident that we're not going to see a month with that many jobs added again uh, over the next few years. I think that that was probably the peak and we'll start to see a slowdown. And I'll be looking at that unemployment rate as well. We have unemployment at 3.5%. Unemployment staying that low is extremely unusual uh, during a a, uh, monetary contractionary period, which we're currently going through. Um, So as the Fed continues to raise interest rates, which they have to do in order to bring down the high inflation rate that we have, the most likely scenario is to start to see unemployment increase as well. So let's come on to the increase in interest rates. We've seen the Fed throughout 2022 aggressively increasing interest rates by 75 basis points, uh, 50 basis points. I mean, they seem to be moving in that direction. Yet, I guess it takes time for those interest rate increases to work their way through to to the corporate suite, where the corporate suite says, okay, we better start pulling back on our new hiring practices and therefore – just not create the same number of jobs that we've create that we were able to create in the month of June. So we're do you think we're beginning to see the the first impact of those higher interest rates now or maybe we'll see that in the August or September employment numbers? Yeah, it, it's a good question. The way that interest rates work is is definitely with a lag. So basically, they work by by raising the cost of borrowing, which means that both uh, businesses and individual households are probably going to pull back on these big purchases, which you know helps alleviate some of the price pressures in the economy. And the way it typically works is with a little bit of a lag. Uh, it usually takes a couple of months, or maybe even a little bit more, to to sort of feed through the system, and so. The Fed has a a very difficult challenge in trying to sort of predict uh, how much their interest rate hikes are going to affect the economy, looking six months into the future, and then trying to navigate this really this very tight, difficult challenge that they're that they're up against of how do we bring down headline inflation, which is at 8.5%, how do we bring that down to 2% uh, in such a way that we don't cause a recession. So they need to do enough to bring down inflation, but not so much that they're going to cause a significant slowdown in the economy. And it's very it's very challenging. There are risks of doing too much and there's risks of doing too little. I think that the Fed was probably a little bit behind the curve in terms of when they started to raise their Mm -hmm. interest rates. I think they sort of waited for inflation to already get up pretty high before they before they pivoted to a little bit more of a hawkish turn to start increasing those interest rates. But now I think that they are aggressively going after inflation and increasing interest rates, which which, in my opinion, they need to do. And over the past month or in Chairman Powell's last press conference in particular, uh, he said that they are no longer going to 
give what is called forward guidance. It basically means they are no longer going to, to, to say exactly what they're going to do a couple of months in advance. And in my opinion, that's a good thing. And the reason they're going to get rid of that forward guidance is because there's so much uncertainty in the market right now. There's so much uncertainty in the economy that they really need to react to the data on a month-by-month basis in Mm -hmm. order to determine what they're going to do at the next meeting. Um, So the Fed is really reacting to all of this labor market data. They're reacting to the GDP data. They're reacting to the, the, the CPI data that came out today. And they're saying, where are we now? Is inflation starting to trend down? Uh, I think this month was a signal that maybe, maybe it is, but it's definitely way too soon uh, to start celebrating. And I would be a little bit surprised if the Fed actually made it a pivot based off of just one or even two months of data. I think they're looking for something a little bit more sustained over a couple of months. That core inflation is really starting to come down. Alex, when the market talks about the Fed trying to engineer a soft landing, what exactly do they mean? What is meant by the Fed bringing in the economy for a soft landing? Basically, a soft landing means that the Fed is successful in bringing inflation back down to its target without a recession or, or without a significant increase in unemployment. And so a couple of clarifications here. There's been a lot of debate in the media recently about around what do we mean about what, what, what does the recession actually mean? We've already seen two consecutive quarters of negative mm-hmm. real GDP growth, mm-hmm. uh, in, in my opinion, and almost any economist's opinion, that does not constitute a recession. That is sort of a, a rule of thumb that is sometimes used to uh, to basically say where the economy is at, but that's not actually what a recession is. A recession is when there is more of a significant decline in economic activity that is spread broadly across the economy and that lasts for more than a few months. And so one of the one of the key indicators for whether you know you're you're in a recession is actually the unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. Are we seeing an increase in the unemployment rate? And so when I publish research talking about a soft landing, will the the Fed be successful in in creating a soft landing? What I'm really saying is, can they bring down inflation without increasing unemployment by a significant amount, by a one percentage point or something around that uh, that area? And my research is mostly based off of the historical experience in the United States. And unfortunately, the historical experience shows that when you have an overheating economy like we have today, when inflation is both very high and the unemployment rate is very low, the probability of having a soft landing is actually very, very low. When inf- I think when inflation is above 5% and unemployment is below 5%, the U.S. economy has actually gone into a recession within the next two years every single time that that has happened. And so I still think the prospect of avoiding a soft landing is, is, is not so high. I still think that the probability that the U.S. does go into a recession over the next, say, 12, 12 to 18 months uh, is quite high. And what I mean by that is I think that the unemployment rate is going to start increasing. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, recessions. For those of us who've been around many decades, we've seen many different kinds of recessions, lengthier recessions, deep recessions. We all, of course, remember the 2009 recession. What is your, if you had a crystal ball, as we face the prospect of a recession over the next 12 to 24 months, 
what kind of an intensity of recession would you forecast at this point, based on the numbers that you're looking at today and the strength of the economy? That's right. So when we talk about recession, I don't think there's any reason to think that this is going to be a recession anywhere near as extreme as is 2008 with the great financial crisis. When I and other economists are saying that we think that we're heading towards a recession, I think a much better model is probably the early 2000s when we had the tech bubble burst mm-hmm. where the unemployment rate increased you know in the in the 5% maybe the low 6% range would be a more a more plausible model of what what a recession could look like in recent research that i conducted with larry summers and with the former chief economist at the imf olivier blanchard we estimated that we think that sort of the natural rate of unemployment, the unemployment rate where there is neither upward or downward pressure on inflation, we estimate that that natural rate is probably around 5% today, Mm -hmm. uh, which basically means that we think that most likely the unemployment rate will need to increase to around 5% in order to get inflation uh, close to the Fed's 2% target. So, so yeah, when we're talking about recession again, there's no reason to think that it's it's going to be anywhere near, you know, the 2008 recession or the recession of the early 1980s. Um, I think a better model is probably what happened in 2001, which still, of course, is significant and has implications for many, many families. Unemployment increasing from where it is today at 3.5%, even to 5%, represents a lot of people losing their jobs. My looking at the economic history uh, suggests that as the Fed tries to bring down inflation, uh, there's a high probability that that does happen. Let's move on to the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, which was enacted, I think, just yesterday, the $700 billion program, which includes a lot of future spending for climate issues, etc. Talk to me a little bit about that. An Inflation Reduction Act that's spending $700 billion, isn't that a bit of an oxymoron? (laughs) Because I tend to think of increased government spending as fueling inflation. So if we're going to be spending $700 billion in this Inflation Reduction Act, how does that reduce inflation? Right. Um, Yes. And I see some people joking that the Inflation Reduction Act was passed at the exactly right time because it probably was passed at the same time that we hit peak headline inflation and inflation is already going down. So maybe the Inflation Reduction Act is already starting to work. (laughs) Uh, Of course, of course, that's not uh, entirely true. But my opinion of the Inflation Reduction Act is, is yes, I think it's a very good bill. I think it's good news because it brings down prescription drug prices, gives much needed investments in clean energy, and it helps to reduce the deficit through increases in the corporate minimum tax rate Mm -hmm. um, and also investments in the IRS, which will help to increase tax compliance. And so the basic idea is that there are enough offsets that are included in this bill that it's actually going to contribute to deficit reduction, which which basically means there will be less money and less aggregate demand and spending in the economy, which will help to, to lower pressure to help to lower pressures on inflation. There's a question of how much it will actually do for inflation. I think it's probably quite minimal and it's spread out over 
over, uh, I believe, the, the next decade. So the immediate impact on inflation, I imagine, will be quite minimal. But I think it, it, it almost certainly will not contribute to inflation and it includes a lot of investments that are desperately needed in this country and that it includes tax hikes in order to compensate uh, for those investments. Well, Alex, in the remaining few minutes of the podcast, do you have some concluding thoughts for our listeners and in particular, any any tips, any suggestions that listeners might be able to implement to in terms of dealing with inflation, in terms of a looming recession over the next 12 to 24 months. Any closing thoughts for our listeners? So again, I I don't want to be overly pessimistic, but I do see quite a bit of risk in the economy moving forward. I think there are risks on 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 two ends. I think there's the risk that unemployment increases more than most people commonly, most uh, people are expecting right now, particularly the markets and even the Federal Reserve are, are still projecting quite low increases in the unemployment rate. I think there's a risk that unemployment is going to increase more than, than people believe right now. So that's one risk. Then I also think there's a risk of the Fed turning to a, a more dovish pivot, which means that they don't raise interest rates as much as, as people think. But because of that, inflation might stick around and you might get core inflation that gets stuck around that 5% range, which could lead to a couple of years of both elevated inflation mm-hmm. and slower economic growth. And so I do see uh, risks of both doing too much and causing increases on employment and doing too little, meaning that inflation doesn't get back down to the 2% uh, targets that the Fed has. So given that there's there's risk ahead, given that there's likely to be a good amount of volatility in the markets, and given the fact that businesses are probably going to start slowing down on, on, on hiring and possibly even increasing layoffs in the short to medium term, I think it is good advice to just be prudent, to make sure that savings are intact, to make sure that enough money is on hand to basically make sure that if anything happened and, and you're laid off from your job over the next year, that you have enough enough of a rainy day fund to, to cover basic living expenses for a couple of months, uh, for, for at least uh, at least a couple of months, hopefully more than that. So I think it's just it's a good time to sort of make sure that make sure that that you have enough for a rainy day. Well, Alex, I'd like to thank you very much for having joined us today. And if our listeners would like to follow up and in particular read any of the reports that you've done, any of the research that you've done, how can they contact you? They can follow me on Twitter. My handle is ASDomash. I usually publish research that that I uh, put out on there, as well as some other commentary on the on the economy. And then I also do have a Medium page where from time to time I publish blog posts. And my name is Alex Domash, and I can be found, found easily there. As well. well, Alex, once again, thank you so much for joining us today and for your, your counsel as regards preparing for a recession, which is likely to happen in the next 12 to 24 months. And um, once again, we'll look forward to having you back periodically to give us updates as regards where the economy is, where the labor market is, where inflation is headed, etc. Thanks so much, Jim. This was a lot of fun. My pleasure. And for my listeners, today's episode is number 310 as we continue to mark our second anniversary. The San Francisco experience is carried on 19 platforms, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, and Amazon Music, 
among others, with a global audience in 65 countries. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, coming to you from San Francisco.